Setting up your product-based business for success can be tricky, but success is definitely not out of the question if you court your customer the right way. Today, I'm joined by Pivot Cosmetics founder and beauty boss mentor, Donnie Brown, to discuss what you should implement in your sales strategy to get the consistent sales that you want to see. I'm really excited about this conversation because Donnie recently launched Pivot Cosmetics, which is a CBD cosmetics line created to promote self-care within women of color. Donnie is most commonly known as a Dallas influencer, and she dedicates her platform to teaching and empowering other women to start their own beauty and fashion product lines. This is definitely a must-listen episode because Donnie doesn't hold back. She is sharing a wealth of knowledge that will not just help you if you have a product business, but will help you if you have a service business as well. So get something to write with. You're going to want to take notes. Let's tune in to my conversation with Donnie. Okay, I am really excited about this conversation. Let's just get into it. Donnie, I am so happy that you are on the podcast today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, I just love product-based businesses. I know that product-based businesses don't get as much love in terms of the information that are on these online streets. Most people focus on services and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just like where more people are inclined to provide, you know, information and kind of like a little bit behind the scenes. You see a lot of success stories, but not kind of how they got there. So I really wanted to talk to you about consistent sales as a product-based business because you recently just launched a product-based business. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you so much. Yes, I I know the struggle. It is a different kind of business to have a product-based business. So anytime I hear someone launching a product-based business, I'm always like, yes, have at it. I'm here for it. You put in some work. Oh, yeah. It's, people don't understand. It's so different from doing services or even just like the idea of actually developing the product itself, even if you're not the one making it or whatever. It's just a lot. It's a lot to handle. And there's so many more elements to actually running a product-based business versus any other type of business you could ever run. So, yeah, I I definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I know we're going to get into consistent sales, but for people who are even just like considering a product-based business, what would you say maybe are three to five or how many ever key components a business owner should consider or will need when launching a product-based business? Okay. So the biggest thing, well, there's a few things that are really big. (laughs) One is going to be your motive. I think you really need to kind of understand that with product-based business, sometimes the profit margin is not as big as what another business would do. So if you're in it to actually make money and replace your own job, I would not say go with a product-based business. I would say go with a different business so that you can get there quicker. With product-based business, you can, of course, you know, replace your job and all that stuff, but it does take longer sometimes because of all of the costs involved. And, you know, there's just all these different elements to it. So Also, I think you need to consider your time. Like how much time do you actually have to invest in this business? Because product-based business, you do need more time on your hands. You know, because it's when you do other businesses, you're focused on, you know, really just finding those clients, selling, selling yourself, or, you know, if you offer something online that people just consistently buy, like passive income, stuff like that. 
you know, or passive products rather. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. But <laughs> when you're selling something passive or you're selling something online or a service or whatever, your time is more so wrapped up in the selling aspect and then delivering on whatever it is you promise. With products, you know, there's so many more phases to it. Right. So you really need to make sure you have that extra time on your hands mm-hmm. um, and you're able to consistently commit to that every single day. Right. And then along with that, I think you also have to determine, you know, like if you're going to be committed to this long term, because you may not see the return right away, you know, even and it, like I said, even if you do see a return, it takes longer to get to that place where you're profitable and you're able to make that consistent money. So there's just a lot of elements to um, understanding that product-based business is just more of a passion thing mm-hmm. than a get-rich-quick thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that's real. And I think also because the margin for air is a lot different for a product-based business because the margin of error, yeah, like you have your reputation in terms of services, but when someone's, I don't know what it is about someone paying for a physical product. Mm -hmm. I think just the barrier is a little, or I guess their expectations are a little bit higher. They want the packaging to be nice, but they also want the product to work. And, you know, the whole experience from shipping to, I think just the entire process is just a little different than, you know, delivering a service. Oh, absolutely. I think that has a lot to do with the way consumers have become trained, you know, over the last few years, especially with shopping online. I find that it's I have to relate and talk to my customers a different way, you know, even than I would if I was actually to sell it to them in person. So, yeah, there are a lot of elements to it. And you have a lot of expectations beyond just delivering that product. It's like the whole experience, you know? So yeah, I totally agree. There's just so many elements to it, you know? Yes. And I know you just launched a business in the middle of a pandemic. How was that? Like, what was that experience like? You know, were there any lessons learned or things you had to change and pivot because this pandemic kind of just came out of nowhere? Yeah. So with, okay, well, my brand is called Pivot. So that's what we're about, really. Um, And I think that just embodies as a person because I'm just always pivoting so that necessarily did not scare me I didn't I wasn't afraid of having to switch up really quick the thing that we were concerned with is that it was the launch if we were already in business I would have just been like oh let's change this let's change this and like let's adjust but when you are launching that kind of sets the tone for the way you're going to do business going forward you know Especially in your first year, you know, that first year is like a really pivotal time in anyone's business. Mm -hmm. So I think that was one thing we were worried about. We were like, okay, if we launch, is this going to make sense right now? Does it make sense? And I also wanted to make sure that if we launched right now, I gave myself enough time to observe the behaviors that were taking place in the market and with consumers as this was all transpiring, you know? So I was paying attention. Well, we decided like me and my team, because I do have people that help me. So me and my team, we sat together and I was like, okay, look, what looks like a date that we would like to launch? Because really our launch had already been pushed back because originally we were supposed to launch in February, Mm. but the coronavirus broke out overseas first, you know? And so that is actually where we got some of our supplies and we weren't able to launch. So then we weren't sure if our consumers were actually going to be receptive when we were telling them this because you know sometimes it's not really real to people when it's not happening to them (laughs) right yeah and I think people also forget 
you know, not everything that we have in our business, especially a product-based business, is made in the USA. Exactly. And they don't understand that things that are happening outside of the world, and I'm not saying everybody, but there's just a certain, you know, select few of special customers that feel this way, like that it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. They still want what they want. And reality is like, we can't pull things out of, you know, thin air. Like that's how the world works. Like we get our materials from different places. Exactly. And that was something, you know, in the past, I've always had to make sure I had multiple places to get things from. And so this time I didn't do the full research like I needed to. So I thought there was a supplier here in the U.S., but come to find out they were still getting their supplies from overseas as well. So I was just like, I was screwed either way. And they wouldn't tell me at first because I kept reaching out and I was like, hey, you keep saying you'll have it in stock and you and it's never in stock on the day you say it's going to actually be here, you know? <laughs> so I was like, right. why can't we get it? And they're like, okay, well, we're actually getting it from overseas. That's why we can't get it right now because there's a delay. And so we can't even predict when we're going to get things. We're just guessing. And so then that's when I really knew I was screwed. And I was like, okay, we're going to have to make an announcement. So we did, we made an an announcement to our audience and we were like, Hey, you know, we're not able to get supplies right now. And that was really kind of the moment where I was like, okay, this is going to be a test of how loyal our supporters are because there were two elements that I was thinking through. I was thinking through one, like where everything's up in the air, you know? So we don't really know when we can launch this yet. We don't know if they'll continue supporting us. We don't know if they're going to call us a scam because people like to say things are scams nowadays. <laughs> and then also... Cancel culture is real. Oh, yeah. People just... Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> we were also concerned with the story that we were telling people and that people were going to actually decide to make our story. You know, like everyone... Of course, our brand, we have a story, but also your your audience develops a story for you as well. Mm-hmm. So I can sit here and say to you, okay, we can't get our stuff because we get it from overseas and the pandemic is happening. But then you can translate that in your head as, oh my God, they're going to get supplies from overseas. They can be contaminated. They can be, you know, so I was like, all these things were running through my head. And I was like, the way that they respond to this is going to determine a lot for us. So luckily they were very receptive and they were very supportive and they understood no one, you know, was concerned with whether or not their stuff was going to be contaminated, et cetera, et cetera. So I was happy about that. Um, and I also made sure that I was very transparent on what exactly was coming from overseas so that they understood it wasn't like an ingredient. It was just packaging and we can clean packaging. We can take those extra measures to make sure that packaging, you know, won't hurt them or harm them. So, um, so that, that was one thing. But then later, once we actually got our stuff, then the pandemic actually happened here. So then we had to worry about, okay, well, will our consumers actually have money to buy? And are they even buying things right now? Are they saving their money? So once I gave it like maybe a week or two to actually, you know, observe what's happening, see the trends and all that, I went on and decided we could go on and launch because I realized people are still buying. Mm -hmm. They're bored, they're at home and they need things to do. They want to take their mind off of what's going on. Now, yes, there are some consumers and some of ours that have directly been affected by this and they can't actually make their money because it requires them to be in person, you know, but there are still plenty of people that are our customers and they're still making money. And so those people definitely showed up for us during our launch. And so that was why I decided to go on and do it because I saw 
the patterns with our consumers specifically. And I was like, okay, this still makes sense, you know? Yes. No, I think that's real. I did the same thing with my clients and just said, hey, like, let's look at our target audience. Let's look at your current clients and see how are they being impacted before we make any pivots or shifts. So I think it's really important to sit back sometimes and not just act immediately and just see what the market does because we're in a time where this hasn't happened in a very long time, uh, where we are in the middle of a pandemic and it hasn't happened in in the same way, I should say, that we're currently experiencing. So how did your launch go? Did you, you know, meet your goals? Did you see those consistent sales that you were setting up for? How was the after, you know, like looking back now? Yes. So with the launch, you know, of course, as a, the business owner, my main goal is to focus on revenue. So with the launch, I said to myself, We've been talking about this launch. We've been talking about this brand for so long. I just want to see what we can do organically. I don't want to put any ads into anything just yet. I don't want to even push my funnel as hard just yet. I want to just make sure that based off of the relationship that we've built with our audience and the core of what we've built is strong enough to, you know, to help us through our launch. Also, too, because I want to I want to observe some things first before I actually put money into ads or put money into, you know, ramping up our funnel any more than it already is. Like, I just want to observe some behaviors and then build on that. Mm-hmm. So I I was like, hey, we're just going to trust that we have done what we need to do um, leading up to this point. And I think that was one thing that was really important to me, too, because as someone that not only owns a company, but someone that teaches others how to grow their company, one thing I always tell people that are still in that process of launching is it's so important to build the audience before you actually launch because it impacts you so greatly. And I've experienced being on the other side of that where I didn't promote as heavy um, up front. And then I saw, you know, no return on my investment when I actually launched. So um, that was important for me to actually just test that out first. And so we did awesome. We did 500 in sales that first 24 hours. And then, wow. Yeah, we did pretty great. I was pretty proud of us. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> that, y'all do not understand how big, like she just said that like it was no big deal. Like that <laughs> for an indie cosmetic line that is in CBD. Yeah. Like yeah. that is, that's pretty, great. that's pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, cause there's a lot of factors in that. So like, I think um, for me, I'm just kind of hard on myself as well. So I just be saying stuff like it's nothing. Um, but, <laughs> but it's a big deal. And for some people, like for some brands, like if your product, like your average order is around, you know, a hundred or whatever dollars, then you'll get to a thousand much quicker than we would. But for us, that was a big deal considering our average order amount and um, the price of our products and all that different stuff. Like, I think we did pretty great for that first 24 hours. It was really good. And then the sales have continued coming in and we've gotten so much support. So I'm really happy with that. So I know for a fact that based on what I've already set up and established, once I start running those ads and really, you know, ramping things up, we'll really be doing numbers at that point. 
Yeah, no, that's so good. And I think you touched a little bit on it, but maybe if you could give maybe those first couple of steps on what steps or actions that you actually take to make sure you are set up for consistent sales. So I kind of heard a lot of research, a lot of um, audience analysis, but were there any other steps that you implemented to make sure you were set up for consistent sales? Yes. So one thing that I found to be really helpful, which I had never done with any of my other businesses or brands that I've developed, was the storytelling. Mm. Um, I think people underestimate resonance when it comes to building a brand or a business, just in general. And I think like coaches, they are the best at this. Mm. They understand that a big part of getting people to buy is by telling their story and telling how they went from this point to winning. You know, so I was really adamant about making sure that we took people on this journey with us. Um, Also, one, because I was I had another brand before this. And I think I would have confused people if I just shut it down and went to the next thing. Mm. And I wanted to make sure everything made sense. So I was like, look, I'm letting this go because I'm building something new. I'm building something better. And I'm going to take you on this journey with me. So I documented the whole process on my YouTube channel. And then I also would share a lot of things on my stories and on Instagram. And I just kind of shared with people that process of developing this, but also sharing like why it was so such a big deal to me to make this and who I made it for and what the products are for and why we created them. And, you know, just showing people that it was kind of like my love letter to women of color and that I really put thought into every aspect of this business. So that really resonated with people from the beginning because they were like, mm-hmm. it's willing to follow this effort in. I know that this is not just going to be another brand. You know, yeah. I know that this is something that developed with me in mind and I want to support and kind of, you know, just give back since he's trying to give it to me. And I think um, another example of that is like Honeypot. One reason that why people cape for her when all of that, you know, that whole situation happened with Target and you know, people in the backlash and all that. One reason why women of color stood up and helped her was because they understood her story. They understood why she developed the business and they did it for her and she made them feel seen. So they wanted to, as a favor back in return, do the same for her and actually show up for her that way. And so just observing how other brands have done that over the years, I wanted to make sure that we put that in the DNA of our brand as well so that we could get that return and build that bond with our, our consumers. Yeah, and I think the important thing that I heard from what you were saying is in your storytelling, it wasn't just about you. Like you weren't just focused on your story, but you were focused on your story and how it impacted your people, like how it could help change your people's lives. And you included them in the story. Yes, exactly. That's really one of the biggest things I always tell people is like, if you build any brand, even with your story, whatever, every aspect, the way that you speak to your customers, the way that you, um, you know, develop your campaigns, all of that stuff, everything needs to be for the customer. It can't just be because you think it's cool. It can't just be because you think it'll help you stand out. If it doesn't resonate with the customer and if it's not something that they would take to, you're going to be screwed. Like (laughs) everything needs to be built with them in mind, the product, the website, everything. So it's just so important that everything directs back to your customer's wants and needs. 
Right. And do you think, because I see a lot of people <laughs> pricing things, whether that be services or products incorrectly, yeah. because of a lot of different ideas of charge what you're worth or, you know, all the other nice sayings out there that might not really be applicable to everyone's situation. Do you think that that helps set you up for consistent sales, being able to figure out what the right price was? So, okay. So this is my theory. I don't think it helps you with sales at all. I've seen people underprice themselves and make tons of sales, but they're also not making any money. So that, that aspect of pricing things the correct way, I really feel like that just helps you have longevity and actually helps you get to that point where you're in the profitable zone. It doesn't necessarily affect how many sales you make because the consumer has no idea how much it costs you to make that item, Mm -hmm. the labor that is put behind that item, all that stuff people just pay what they think things are worth. And if you, you know, present things in a special way or in a way that resonates with them, they'll pay whatever you ask them to pay. It's just a matter of you making sure those margins are right for you so that you can actually have longevity as a business. Mm, So it still goes back to storytelling. Exactly. Exactly. Everything like, and, and I think people just underestimate it or just feel like, Oh, that's so cliche to say, but it's really not like, the way that you finesse your story is everything. Like it'll change the way um, that your business, the way your business flows as a whole, literally. Right. So what do you think that, you know, beginner product businesses, what are a couple of things that they should focus on to make sure that they are set up for those consistent sales? Yes. Okay. So the one is that storytelling. And then um, another one is just making sure that you have a clear funnel in place And I think funnel, like that word sounds like really fancy, but (laughs) what that means is just that you have a clear journey that you're taking your customer on to get them from that point of discovering you to actually deciding to buy. Um, And even further, you could take it further by um, mapping out how you can get them to buy from you again. People don't understand that a lot of customers and a lot of revenue Um, it's easier to convert somebody that's already been a customer. So like a lot of that revenue that you're bringing in each month can really come from repeat customers if you make sure your product is quality and that you're staying in front of them and having something for them to keep buying. So that would be the biggest thing. And within your funnel, what people don't realize is everything kind of works together. So your funnel is that whole process that you have set up. So everyone has a funnel. They just don't utilize it or actually make it all correlate and work together. So that process of someone discovering your Instagram or discovering, you know, you on social media or discovering you through a friend, that's the beginning of your funnel. Like that's when things have started. And so from there, it's your job to actually make sure that they go on this journey of not only discovering your brand, but understanding who you are, what you have to offer, also getting them tapped in in some way. Um, which I like to call it like the low commitment entry point. You need to have something for them to uh, do so that they can engage with you on a deeper level. So that can be your lead magnet. You know, that can be for most people, it's that little pop-up that comes on your website and, you know, it says, Hey, get 10% off if you sign up for our email list. Now I do think that that's a deeper topic of like how to do all of this effectively. <laughs> Cause all, the little 10%, I personally never have thought that that was the best way to get people on your email list, but there are ways to do all of this more effectively. So 
you would get them in there. And then from there, you begin tracking them, you begin retargeting them, you begin emailing them and really nurturing them into buying. It's not a thing of you're harassing them, you're really giving them value. So you're not just going to say, buy my product, buy my product. Through this journey and through every encounter that they have with you, you're really nurturing them and building a relationship. So you you don't just say, buy my product, you say, hey, look at this review from someone that's actually experienced our products, or hey, did you know our products do this? Also, hey, we created this special offer for you. Um, You just really want to make that person understand that when they engage with you, it's not always, you know, a begging situation. It's a relationship and you give them value, whether that comes in the form of tips on how to actually use your products or um, just tips in general that relate back to your brand. So it's for us, we do CBD. So if I wanted to, I could do some kind of educational email and send them education on CBD and how that actually helps their skin and how that, you know, affects them long term and all this different stuff and just give them some recommendations for people that have never even tried CBD skincare, you know. But I think that's just the biggest thing is understanding how to develop a clear funnel that you're controlling and how to get people to go from that you know, beginning point of just hearing about you to actually deciding to buy. I think people leave it up to chance and they just think, oh, if I have the pop up on my website, they'll sign up for the email list and then they'll get the 10% off and go decide to buy. But that's not how that works. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot more to it, you know? Yeah, no, I feel like that's so good. Just understanding what that customer journey should look like and mapping that out to see how do you get them from finding out about your product to purchasing to rebuying and becoming a repeat customer. Exactly. Yeah. So for the people out there who are like, you know what? I've already started this product-based business. I'm not a beginner, but I'm also not seeing consistent sales. What do you think are some of the I guess most common, because I know every situation isn't the same, but what do you feel like are the most common roadblocks that entrepreneurs experience when they're not seeing those consistent product sales? Yes. So there's a few elements, but I think one of the biggest ones, so there are, I'm going to be honest, there are plenty of brands that have made it very far without having a well mapped out funnel. Okay. That is just my method. And that's my favorite way to convert people because you can use that no matter how big or small your brand is, and use it to make consistent sales. But there are people that convert all the time, and they have no clear funnel. And they come to me asking me how to do it because they realize that they've missed out on some money along the way. But the people that are making consistent sales without you know, having that funnel in place, they understand how to actually make content that converts. That is the biggest difference I see between, you know, just brands that are not doing anything or not getting those consistent sales and the brands that are. And so I think one big thing that they have to understand is, um, so, okay, so I'll just break it down this way. Every funnel has four main parts or what I like to call four main parts. Okay. So (laughs) there's the awareness stage where they find out about you. The next stage would be that stage where after they found out about you, you take that relationship to the next step and you offer them that low commitment entry point. And I think people forget to directly offer that a lot of times. So they'll just leave it up to their website to do the pop-up or whatever, but you need to actually advertise that. So for us, we do a skincare quiz, but we, we named it, um, do you need CBD in your, in your skincare routine? 
So for us, that helps us build that relationship with them, but also it gives us that opportunity to take things to the next level after that and offer them, you know, a, to buy from us. And so that is like the beginning stage. So the, the awareness is the first part. The second is that direct offer for the low commitment entry point. And then the third part is actually that direct offer. And then the fourth part would be like retargeting if they didn't take advantage of that direct offer that you gave them. So you need to have this flow in place on all levels of your business. So one thing that I see people that are actually making sales consistently do is they actually make content around all four of those stages. So like to give you an example, the awareness post, that would be a post where you're literally just talking about your brand. So that could be like you telling you the story of your brand. You could be doing some product education, like talking about one of your products and explaining how it works, how to use it. And then that next post where you're like offering them that low commitment entry, you could say, Hey, did you know we have a skincare quiz on our website where you can find out which products will be best for your skin? Go check it out. And then you do like some type of video, uh, which we recently did one on our page. We did a video showing like us going to the website going and clicking on the quiz, taking the quiz, like showing what that process looks like so people can just go do that. And then that got more people on our email list. Then from there, not only did it get more people on our email list, but it got us to be able to track them. So now I can run ads to them um, because they've come to my website and I'm tracking any activity on my website. So I can get them through the email, but I can also get them on the front end with, you know, the ads. And then of course, if they're following us, I'm also targeting them that way. So then from there, after we've gone on a date, I, I like to call this like dating your cousin. So after we've gone on that date, we're feeling each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. I always tell people, ask them on a date first, court them, and then propose. Don't be trying to go straight to the marriage and you ain't even courted them. Thank you. We're dating. I'm getting to know you. So right. we're getting to know each other. And then I I feel like, you know, we've been on a couple dates. And so now I'm going to ask you, do you want to just go on and buy this? Um, now, you can do this on a few levels. So for us, we actually have two points of this. So the first offer, which that's something we're developing in our summer right now, because originally for, for our launch, I didn't want to do this offer until so that we could get as many sales as possible, really. But now we're about to start offering samples. So the first point of entry is just like me saying, hey, you want to buy a sample? And then they buy the sample. And for buying the sample, I'm also going to give them a deal on the back end and be like, hey, now that you've had the sample, you've tried it for a few days, I'm going to come back to them and say again, would you like to grab the full size? And with that, they're going to get a discount because they already bought the sample, you know, because we're already in this relationship. <laughs> so now I'm like, hey, do you want to commit? Do you want to commit now? <laughs> you ready to commit now? Like, I put out feelers. Right. You ready to commit? We've been doing this for a minute. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, you're going to buy this product or not now. <laughs> so then at that point, they have the opportunity to buy. If they're still not ready to buy, then you can come back again and then retarget them. And so that retargeting post looks like, you know, showing proof that you are worth their money. So you need to, you know, of course, in a relationship, this looks like more dates, more courting, whatever, talking through what you guys aren't, you know, like what, what you guys don't match up on. But in product business, this looks like you showing them, hey, here's some reviews from people that have actually used our products. 
also, hey, I know you have this issue. So like for people that sell body butters, I always like to tell them like, if you know that your body butter helps eczema or helps relieve irritation for something, like that's that point where you're like, hey, did you know that we help relieve eczema? Did you know we help with this issue? Also just sharing like the benefits of being a customer. So for us, we have implemented this thing where we're actually giving 10% of our profits to support another black owned or well, not necessarily black owned, but a person of color, um, like a woman of color owned business. So we um, make sure that we're telling our customer that as well. Like, hey, not only are you buying into us, but you're also helping support this community of women of color that are owning businesses. So you just want to utilize all of those things. And don't, that's why you don't want to throw everything out there from the jump. You know, like you don't want to give them everything at once. You want to have something on the back end just in case they decided not to buy right away. You need to use that on the back end and be like, hey, but did you know this or did you know that? You know, so yeah, so you just really want to make sure you're going through all that sequence in your content as right, well, right. because if someone's following you and all you're doing every day is saying, hey, here's our product, go shop, go shop, here's a coupon code, like that's not going to get people to buy. You need to actually develop this relationship by talking about other elements of your business through your content, you know? Right. Okay. So she just dropped a whole lot. So I was writing notes just so I could give y'all... <laughs> Y'all gonna have to re-listen to this because that was a whole lot of good just coin droppage, okay? So what I'm hearing is you need to go revisit your funnel, whether you are a new product-based business or if you are an existing product-based business, go revisit that funnel because there is going to be some area that you can improve or maybe there's some areas that maybe you just haven't looked at at all. From there, you need to create content around each step in your funnel. So you're courting your customer, not just expecting them to drop coin, but actually courting them and talking about the benefits to the customer, talking about any community benefits if that is a part of your business and really just making sure you're developing that relationship. I also heard highlight testimonials. I think this is a big one. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to get testimonials and reviews because I struggle to get it myself. Even though people love your product or love your service, sometimes it is a struggle just for them to, you know, type out a couple of sentences saying that, yeah. but really focus on getting those testimonials so that you can show people that, you know, they aren't the guinea pig. People love it. You know, it's one thing for you to say that you're, product is amazing. It's another thing for someone else to toot your horn. I also heard that you don't need to give it all away at one time, girl. Don't let it all hang. (laughs) So maybe consider scaling back, you know, scale back and then test one thing at a time. Um, And then one more thing I would add, you mentioned the reviews. I actually add that into my funnel. So with your funnel, there's a lot of automation involved. But the main thing that's manual would be the content that you're putting out on your page. But even that you can schedule ahead of time. But this is why it's important that you go through that sequence because you need to have an automated backend like that also reminds them of these things. So if someone bought from you, then you can send that email and you can say, hey, you know, give us a review on that product or whatever. And you need to word it in a way that would resonate with your customer. But you can make sure that all of those things are happening on autopilot so that every day as people are buying and they receive the product, they use the product, they can automatically get that email saying like, hey, give us a review. You can also run an ad to them. You know, if you're tracking the fact that they bought from you, 
you know, and you can use, do that multiple ways, like track them multiple ways, but you can run an ad to them asking them to review it as well and asking them if they like the product. Now, along with that, on your page, that's why it's important to run through those four stages because it needs everything you do on the front end needs to correlate with what's happening on the back end so that they're having the same experience on all levels with your brand. And then you also need to remember that people may not see everything that you do. So with an ad, the, the reason people like to run ads is because that is a way to know that people are seeing you for sure. People don't always see your emails. People don't always see the posts that you make, but they will definitely see an ad that was made um, specifically for them because you can actually set it up in the back end to run to specific people. So you need to make sure that your everything correlates so that if they miss that post you did on Instagram, then they'll get the email that has a similar you know topic going on. And then that way, they'll have that same experience. And then it'll also help them feel like, wow, how do they know where I'm at in this on this journey? Like, how do they know I was thinking about buying? How do they know that I just discovered them? How do you know? And you want to make sure that you people feel like, yes, like we are attentive. We are catering to you, you know? Right. A sense of surprise and delight. Yeah. You know, like, oh, wait, you knew? How did you know? You know, like, I love that. Exactly. But I think this was so good. I really appreciate you for coming on and just dropping all this knowledge. I know that it's going to help so many people. What are some great ways that they can support or get in contact with you? Yes. So for me, you can find me personally on Instagram at the Donnie Brown. Donnie is spelled D-O-N-I um, and brown like the color brown. But yeah, you can find me on Instagram there. I also have a website called DonnieBrown.com. And on the website, um, that is where you can sign up for my membership. I actually have a membership for women that, or just anyone that has a um, beauty or fashion product-based business. And every month I'm giving them tons of content on how to actually grow that business and expand. And we focus on different topics every month. But right now we just recently started it. And one girl, she only was in it for like a week or two. And she used what I said and she literally um, was able to start implementing and make a thousand dollars from her brand within one week. Wow. Uh, just starting to- Receipts. Receipts. So she's basically like, if you want receipts, right. come over here <laughs> and join Joy. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we have that. And um, the smaller, like the basic level, it starts at $20 a month. So it's really, really accessible. Along with that, I also have an intensive that I do, and that's more of a one-on-one situation. And so in that intensive, I actually help you build your funnel. Like if you, if this was like what you were missing from your business, if you feel like that's like literally the key, what I was talking about, I will help you. And I literally have templates for the emails. I have everything that you would need in order to get this funnel right, but we map it out and customize it to your business. And then I give you all the tools to carry it out. Along with that, you can also shop my CBD cosmetics line at pivotcosmetics.com. So pivot is literally spelled just like pivot, P-I-V-O-T, and then cosmetics.com. Yes. And I'm going to include all of those links in the show notes so that you have easy access to it. But thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate you for taking the time out. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. 
I absolutely love that conversation with Donnie and it was full of a wealth of information, nuggets and mic drops. And so you may be at the point where you're like, all right, Alexis, where do I start? Here's where I want you to start. In the next 48 hours, map out your customer journey from them discovering your brand all the way to them buying your product and maybe even rebuying your product. Lay that out and then start implementing the things that Donnie mentioned throughout our conversation. If you're like, Alexis, I need to re-listen, but I need some notes. You can head over to thebusybiz.com slash episode 42 to get my show notes and time codes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to iTunes, leave a review, rate, and comment. It's time to build the business of your dreams. Let's get to work.